0: Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Friday Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernell-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia
1: Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday.
0: Well, this morning, we are joined by the illustrious Ivy Riggs of our uh, legislative team. Um, (sighs) (laughs) So let's, well, let's just start out with the, let's just start out with Senate Bill 634. Let's just get right into it. Um, It passed out of committee. So can you give us a quick recap of what that bill does? And then let's talk about what happened in committee this week.
2: Yeah, it changed a little bit this week. It was uh, substituted late Wednesday night for a committee yesterday in the the Rules Committee, not an Education Committee, so it's a different committee than we normally deal with. Um, Initially, the bill basically just changed the way we have to do payroll deduction for our association Mm -hmm. dues. Any professional association in education only. Cool. So so that was the, that was the first big rub is they're not going after any other professional associations, yeah. no doctors, no lawyers, no firemen, yeah, no police officers, nothing else, right. no public employees. And so, uh, you know, it feels like a target, feels like retaliation, those types of things.
1: Walks like a duck, talks like a duck. It
2: really does. <laughs> Fills out payroll deduct paperwork like <laughs> a duck. Right. And, and it, uh. It puts in line. It puts a, a, a it put a lot more burden on school districts, mm-hmm. in that um, they had to uh, really a lot of back and forth. A, a, a school employee would fill out a membership form that has a lot of First Amendment language in it. It's very insulting to think that you, as an educator, uh, wouldn't know what you're signing up for. Right. Uh, you know that we're a right to work state. We've never been. Um, uh, required fees of any kind. We've never had to, re- we, we've never required membership. Yeah, uh, It's always been a choice. There's no leg wrestling. There's no arm <laughs> twisting. There's no bullying. Anymore. Anymore. Exactly. Exactly. That used to happen <laughs> now. So, so it's, it's senseless and it's yeah. insulting. It's like, we're not smart enough to know what we're saying and that, and that we want to join this organization right. or any organization. Right. So, so we're going to, they, they, they want uh, they want a pause to happen. Oh my gosh! I'm waving my First Amendment right. It must must be a terrible idea. Right. And so then the burden on the school then was a back and forth email process that was silly, uh, not necessary, and they took that part out. Good. So so okay. the First Amendment stuff right. stays in. Still the membership form.
0: Still done. Every year. And still
2: every single yeah. year. So yeah. so right now your membership uh, rides. It stays until you say you don't want to be a member anymore. All right. you have to do is say, I don't want to be a member. And that's it. It's over. Right. You're, and, and, you're and there's canceled. a law.
1: They passed a law a couple of years ago. Correct. That within like five, five days, days. Yeah. of you saying you don't want to be a member and presenting that paperwork, it, your payroll deduct has to stop. Right. right. And that's what we do.
2: No paperwork even. An email to your payroll clerk. That's yeah, it. That's yep. what I call paperwork. That's work. it. <laughs> okay. Okay. My bad. So, so, so those, you know, these are all unnecessary steps. Yeah. There's some extra reporting to the secretary of education, not the state department of education. So that's a, I think that's a nuance that people have missed. Uh, secretary of education is on the governor's cabinet. So yeah. this is a governor request bill. The governor has requested this bill. He is going office to office lobbying this bill. What like, on earth doesn't a the governor, more doesn't the governor do? have other things to worry about? <laughs> we are still in a pandemic. Right? Like so, you what? know, there's there's just a lot of political games going on. If I
1: didn't know better, I'd think that the governor didn't like us. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Don't you jump know,
2: to conclusions. Um, the the premise that a Supreme Court decision is the reason for this
1: has kind of been debunked, but they're it, still kind of not saying Not just kind it. of been debunked, well, it is straight up debunked. When I say, Floyd?
2: When I say kind of, what I mean is some people are listening and some people are
1: not. Oh. Um, yeah. So anyway. Uh, then You're the, entitled to your own opinion but facts are facts? Hmm. Is that is that kind of? Right, right, yeah.
2: right. Um, facts are only facts if you listen to them maybe? <laughs> so I think so okay, let's pause.
0: Because this is something that we do that just to review, the the the, the conversation is about Janice. The Janice case that went to the Supreme Court that involved um AFS me, asked me, right. And so this is not even education workers, but say in, in in non-right-to-work states, agency fee states, you had to, even if you were a member of the union, you had to uh, pay they a pay fee fees, right. um, for the services that the union provides. The Supreme Court said you can't do that. So there are things that are happening in non-right-to-work states. Um, now that their situation
2: is different, we've always been right to work because we don't. Well, for the last
1: quarter of a century, right, right. But,
2: but even before right to work, Oklahoma never had fees, right, right, right. It was never a half two state, so right to work didn't change anything for us. Just like this Janus decision didn't change anything exactly. for us, exactly. And and that has been said in in court case after court case in lots of other states, yeah. Uh, I could see in a Michigan, in an Illinois, in a California where sure. agency fee did exist, where there would be some confusion. Maybe your average member or or fee payer yeah. wouldn't know they didn't have to do that anymore. I understand that. Right, right. In Oklahoma, that's just never N- ever been the case. If changed. it were the case, we would not have more than one organization. Right, right. There right, would be right, a right. monopoly of sorts. Right, right. Because you would have to. So that just, I mean, it's 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 silliness, and they're just ignoring it. And it's a room full of lawyers. They know better, right? That
0: so. So during the debate over this issue, there were several things that um, were said that I was like, "Huh, that's that is untrue." Um,
2: like, I, <laughs> the, the the quote the quote that gets me. Uh, I will say this: the last thing that changed in the bill is they added a, a liability insurance for every school employee in the state, and. I'm gonna mostly quote Representative Terry O'Donnell when he said, "This is the most pro-teacher bill of the entire session."
1: Uh, yeah. As a teacher,
2: Pro, just process that.
1: I, uh, you know, the, the play-based the, learning. <laughs> there was no, but like, how bad was? is it? How the bad is a board certified? It's, until it's it was
2: really shocked. bad. The insult to our our ability to to. Be in a professional organization and to know what we want. It's insulting. It's sexist. It's mostly female. Yes. Uh, for the most part, um, we care about kids and that's why we're in this profession. And so yeah. more and more people are just staying away from the ugliness of politics and they just want to keep their head down. They want to shut their classroom doors. They want to drive the kids on the bus. They want to feed the kids. They want to make sure they're taken care of, especially coming out of this pandemic. Right, And so... They're hearing less and less from people because they're, frankly, they're just overwhelmed. Yes. Our folks are just overwhelmed and they don't want to be political. So sadly, these, these decisions are being made on their behalf, whether they're political or not. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, the, the folks making those decisions are assuming uh, they won't fight back. And so we're the voice for those people and we're fighting back. And so this is retaliation for those
1: fights. It's straight up retaliation. It's retaliation for the walkout. It's retaliation for um, all the times that we stand up against profiteering and privatization of public schools with vouchers and, you know, all kinds of uh, schemes that that detractors of public education would want. It is because um, it's because Teaching is looked at as a, uh, a majority woman pr- uh, profession, uh-huh. as a second income to help out the breadwinner man. Yeah, and um, and and the reality is, by golly, it is a profession. Yeah, I should be paid a professional wage. I went to college. I bettered myself, and joining my union who fights for me.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Is, is the way I choose to, um, to advocate for myself. Right. And Respect I, it. <laughs> Agreed. I think, I think that,
0: you know, the issue that you guys bring up that's such a good point is right now we, we think about everybody's capacity, everybody in education. I mean, we are coming out of the pandemic, a year that has depleted everyone in every way. Um, and right now everyone's gearing up for state testing. Like, could you have less in the tank? You know right. what I mean? And so this is the time to bring out these kinds of bills and this kind of attack on teacher and support staff's collective power. When people have very little capacity, there's just – people are tired, man.
1: And, and let's circle back to this liability insurance. My, okay. My yeah. voice – Yes. This is when my daughter says, Mom, your your voice is getting louder. <laughs> I'm like, that is not anger. That is passion. Or maybe it is anger and passion together. Whatever. Whatever um that's not even not even everybody needs that it doesn't like a liability insurance policy like they're offering so uh it's not something that anybody's asked for number one and number two uh with the tort uh laws that as they are not everybody can use a liability insurance like like that
2: well, right. It's a this is this is smoke and mirrors. To be honest, uh, every district has to have insurance on every employee. You know, the the only way you would need personal liability insurance is if you're outside the scope of your employment, or if they can prove that it was you know gross negligence or something like that. You know, putting your hands on a child. Uh, you know, g- g- something flagrant, something horrible. But every district already pays for this, and so. What he's saying is, less for less than a million dollars, they're going to have a liability insurance policy for well over eighty thousand people in the state because yeah. it's every single school employee. That doesn't scream value to me. Um, so, so it's it's pointless. It's not needed. It's unnecessary. I, I I'm sure it's some aggregate, but policy. But
0: let's but but let's talk about why because. Because in my mind, when they added this, I think that they view the reason that that educators and support staffs join professional organizations is because we offer liability Liability for sure, for sure, and that is not. No one is like, oh, aha! I'm going to pay, you know, my dues for insurance. Let's. That's not. That's not the deal. But it's You know.
2: I mean. But- for sure. So this is a double whammy, right? They think if if you're not going to pause at I'm waiving my First Amendment right, then you're going to pause at oh the state's already paying for an insurance policy. So for two reasons, I don't want to join this organization. That's the actual motivation. Right. Exactly. For sure.
0: I just want to say that out loud, and and I think that. Um, You know, uh, Representative Virgin asked, um, how much is this going to cost? And Representative O'Donnell had no idea and then guessed. The ballpark,
2: a little under $1 million.
0: I mean, that is not like how for 80,000 people like that is not what? And also that's okay. Let's say it's a million dollars. That's a million dollars not going to the classroom. For sure, and there
2: are other costs to implementing this as well. And and statutorily, districts still have to provide that. So you know, it, it's it's spending extra money. It's you know, kind of a secondary insurance uh, that's you know doesn't have much value.
0: So can we talk also about what it's going to cost districts to implement this? Because this we've been hearing from different districts, and it, it came up in debate yesterday um, that this is not a nothing. You know, this is not a break-even bill. This is going to cost districts money to implement. Even even taking out part of that paperwork back and forth stuff,
2: like it's still going to cost districts thousands of dollars. Right. Um, Norman's guess was somewhere around a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, maybe just under. Moore's guess was forty to fifty thousand, yeah. and it's the re-upping every year. Right. That uh, during the during a payroll clerk's most busy time. So 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 take out any kind of change to payroll deduction, you know, that's the time where they're trying to make sure paychecks are right. uh, Salary schedules are right. If, if, um, uh, every every employee has moved up a step on the salary schedule. Yeah. Uh, if if a collective bargaining agreement exists and and negotiations have happened, so there's a raise to also implement.
1: Inputting all the new teachers and all yeah, right. and their yeah. you know their insurance, their right. health insurance, all, all those things that they have got stuff to do. Yeah. Right. They've got stuff. It's to
2: just do. their most busy time of the year, so these changes not only are are going to overwork a, a kind of an understaffed uh, department, but. In many, many cases, it's going to be on overtime pay because it all has to be done before that first paycheck in September. And the, and right. the changes don't really happen until August. Sign-ups don't happen until August. Right, so we're right. just going to add to that. So that's where the cost comes in. And, and Terry O'Donnell told Emily Virgin that she was being hoodwinked by yeah. her district and her yeah. district had inflated those costs. That's also very insulting. Uh, he did not question Representative Kennedy. When he brought up more costs cost. Quoted those costs. Right. Both attorneys. Correct. Both very intelligent people. Maybe it's a difference in party. Maybe it's a difference in gender. It's hard to not...
1: Be suspect. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm becoming more and more suspect the older that I get. <laughs> I right. mean, you can take that one of two ways. I am more suspect <laughs> or I suspect more. Or both.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I just... but that But when I hear those numbers... Those are teaching positions. Those are bus drivers that like, as if we don't have like in a regular school year, in a regular school year, as if we're not finishing up this year in the pandemic and going into a school year that is going to have kids who have needs unlike any we've ever seen before. Like our kids are facing this massive mountain they have to climb and we're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars per school district
2: to do paperwork. It's so stupid. Sorry, If I'm I'm a superintendent and I'm looking at positions that need to be added, I should be looking at counselors. I should be looking at classroom positions, uh, reading specialists, tutors, things like that. Not extra payroll folks. Not to take any value away from those payroll folks, but what a waste of money. Or overtime because
0: these people are now having to work like... 50, 60 hours a week to get stuff ready right. for the first time. Time and a
1: half. Thank you, unions, for they're
2: negotiating th- that for us. <laughs> <laughs> they're also not begging for the pay for
1: the overtime. No. Line. No, These <laughs> not These are not they're requests busy. being made. They're busy. Yeah. So. Could you could you think up a bill that would <laughs> allow me to get extra overtime in the month of August and September? Right. <laughs> right. I have nothing else going on. Um Well, so now it's
0: going
2: to it'll go to the house floor. Full house floor. So okay. at this point, um, we have to contact our representative. And, yeah. and it's that balance of being respectful and professional. And also, it's okay to be passionate if you're respe- – it's hard to not have the insult of this, yeah. in my opinion, when I'm talking to my representative – uh, it's hard to not say this is an insult. Yeah. I'm still a constituent. I, I do work at OEA. I still consider myself a teacher. I filled out that paperwork one time and believed in it every single year. Yeah, I yeah. would have continued to fill it out, but yeah. it's just unnecessary and it's uh, it's insulting. That's the that's the only word I have for it. So yesterday was deadline day. So where are we in session? Is it money time yet? What's happening? Well, I mean, behind the scenes, budget talks are starting to happen for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, no budget bills have come through, no JCAB uh, joint. Committee on Appropriation and Budget. Nailed it. <laughs> I always get Nailed those it. mixed up. Sorry about that. Uh, and and when the, when we only do it for a few weeks of the year, it uh, makes my brain a little fuzzy. Yeah. So we're about three quarters of the way through. If we're gonna, you know, talk about sections of it. So, you know, all the Senate bills are in the House. All the House bills are in the Senate. And now we've passed committee deadline. The only bills that we'll we'll see in committee, other than those budget bills, are the House went ahead and extended their appropriations deadline until the sixteenth. And so we still will see regular House Appropriations and Budget Committee meeting. Uh, And then in addition to that, we'll see these joint committees on appropriations and budget. And then over the next few weeks, we'll just see all of the bills that made it out of committee, House bills in the Senate, Senate bills in the House, getting through that floor process. So um, lots of bills will have essentially died as of yesterday, Mm -hmm. as of end of the day yesterday, uh, that did not make it out of committee. Uh, if we're being honest, nothing is actually dead, though, because anything can sure. be dumped into a, a budget bill. Sure. Whether it has anything to do with <laughs> numbers or not, uh, that's kind of what they talk about.
1: But I think that's what we call shenanigans.
2: Yes, for sure. Um, I think I think one uh, that our members might care about. I mean, this is an example. Mm-hmm. We had an MBCT. Bill to bring back the NBCT stipend, yeah, and 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 uh, Senator Pugh had said all along, if it doesn't seem like it's going to be funded, what's the point of moving it through the process? Just getting people all excited about it when it's not going to be funded. That's going to yeah. have to be a line item in the budget. So he took a, he took that bill, and he subbed in language to take the U.S. history test out. Um, on paper, that sounds awesome, except for in concert with that, in a, a companion bill with that, was to add the naturalization test. Right. So that was kind of a trade-off. And we can, We I don't know that we want to get into all the weeds of that, but um, that MBCT idea is not 100% dead. Yeah. If they decide it's going to be in the budget, if they decide they're going to fund it once those conversations get that far in the next couple of weeks, they can put that in a JCAB bill. But so, but this is
0: all relying on compromise. A hundred percent. So, how, speaking of that, how are things going? <laughs> you know, not well.
2: Not well. Uh, Senator Treat, uh, you know, he always does at the end of deadline weeks. Both both Speaker He's the leader, leader of the Senate, and and Pro Tem of the Senate, Treat. Mm-hmm. They they both just do. Um, they call it press availability, mm-hmm. where where they can kind of give a few snippets of information and then answer questions. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, in his, he was livid uh, that his bills had been held up in the House and not heard in House committees because he had, not just he, he said his caucus had made the decision to not hear uh, Speaker McCall's tax cut bills, corporate tax cut, phase out, um, phase down income tax Mm -hmm. uh, cuts. Um,
1: Which is good for education. Yeah. I mean, that those didn't get heard. Right.
2: So Speaker Speaker McCall's quotes on that are, um, they're sure our new administration at the federal level is going to do some tax uh, increases, and so we have to um, give our taxpayers in Oklahoma a break in anticipation of that. Uh, Senator Treat's response to that is, "No, we don't want to do that. My caucus is does not have." He kept saying, "There's no appetite for it." Yeah, uh,
1: so- I mean that's how we got into the, you know. Billion dollar hole that we were in, right? When we had the walkout, right, from right, right. Those we, types of, of tax. We at OEA
2: are mm-hmm. certainly opposed to any tax cut because it's gonna it's gonna take funding away from all of our core services, right. including education. Right. But I think the point of bringing that up is saying uh, they're nowhere close to budget agreements mm-hmm. because they can't even get. I mean, they're they're stuck on. You know, moving election dates for school boards, things like that. They're mm-hmm. they're stuck on, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the whole managed care for the Medicaid program yes, that that's a passed fight, right? uh, by the vote of the people and how to fund it and mm-hmm. who's going to run it. There's there are big big things that have not been agreed upon, and so um, I, I, you know, we've gotten out early the last few sessions. I don't anticipate that because I don't think they're anywhere close. Yeah. Um, you know, last year, uh, Alicia brought up earlier, last year it seemed like the House and the Senate were really close together and they were, you know, it was the governor that wasn't on the same page. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year it doesn't seem like anyone's on the same page. And <laughs> yeah. so, you know, it always seems like that at some point in the session and then something breaks and somebody has to compromise and yeah. it will happen again. We will have a budget. We yeah. will, you know. maybe. I mean, maybe some, in th- maybe some.
1: Now, I thought I also heard uh, some rumblings about having a special session to deal with. Redistricting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I do think that will happen and it'll be just a few days. It won't be a, I mean, when we say, when we hear special session, that feels like a really big deal. But when it's to talk about one topic, it may be a week. It may be, you know, a few days in this week. And then because. You know, a certain calendar, certain number of calendar days have to pass until the whole process is done. Yeah. You know, I, I don't see that being a really big deal.
0: Well, we'll see if they get it together. Gotta hope. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Ivy, for coming and uh, talking to us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, we are joined today by Reverend Shannon Fleck of the Oklahoma Conference's. Con- oh, let me. Just kidding. <laughs> Oklahoma Conference of Churches. How are you, Reverend Fleck? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Um, well, we wanted to visit with you about a couple things this morning. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about public schools in a second. So for people who might be wondering what's happening, we're gonna get there. Um, but churches and schools, <laughs> how know. can we talk about them I in know. the same I breath? Know. So um we wanna so give us a sort of big picture view for people who might not be familiar with the Oklahoma Conference of Churches. Uh, who are you? What do you guys do?
3: Sure. The Oklahoma Conference of Churches was founded as an ecumenical movement, and the word ecumenical is just a fancy churchy word for <laughs> saying interdenominational relationships. So we were created to help bridge any gaps that might exist between Christian denominations, mm-hmm. help foster dialogue and unity and conversation. And over the years, that has also evolved to be inclusive of interfaith houses of worship as well, mm-hmm. because we want to include everybody yeah. in that conversation and have that dialogue. So, um, in in a very brief nutshell, we we are sort of like an umbrella organization that that brings religious organizations and now even secular organizations to the table Mm -hmm. to talk about issues of faith and morality in the state of Oklahoma.
0: So what are the sort of buckets of work that you guys do? I mean, it seems like with so many, it seems like mm-hmm. such a broad mission. Like what are the sort of yes. main tenets of what you guys do? It seems like there are many options that you could paths you could go down. Yeah.
3: There the options are so vast. <laughs> so we we actually have seven focus areas mm-hmm. that we choose to anchor our work and those are criminal justice and criminal justice reform. Education, which Mm -hmm. is the favorite amongst this crowd, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, The environment, Mm -hmm. immigration, health, wellness, and aging, poverty, and anti-racism and anti-discrimination is our brand new one that we just launched in the fall of
1: 2020. So for our listeners who may not know, uh, we we are partner coalition with the Oklahoma Conference of Churches uh, yes. because you just heard their seven basic tenets mm-hmm. and they align uh, uh, almost perfectly with everything that OEA it yeah. works toward.
0: Yeah, same a lot yes. of similar buckets. You know,
1: so so yes.
0: t- so let's talk about the uh, your newest tenant, the anti racism work, um, and tell us yeah. about no hate in the Heartland.
3: You know, when I, because as you can imagine, work with churches is very slow. Yes. Church work has notoriously evolved at a much slower pace than, than American society around it. And so it was a process to get to a place where, where the organization was ready to take the kind of bold statements that, um, I was wanting it to take mm-hmm. as a leader. And um, by the time we got there, finally, because all of our members have to be in agreement with this statement, right? So that's not an easy thing to achieve. Um, By the time we finally got there, I knew that that could not be the end of the conversation. That could not be the period on the end of a sentence that that needed to evolve into a mission that is bigger, is more impactful, and really lives into this moral mission that we are undertaking. And so really that theological statement and the stance we're taking against discrimination and racism evolved into what now is a focus that's really just I would call it a foundation of, of what we are about, and that's no hate in the heartland. Mm-hmm. And so it just really encompasses our mission going forward from this point. It puts us in a much more I would say active stance than maybe we've taken as an organization in the past. It's a little more um, forward movement, which feels right. It Mm -hmm. feels prophetic. It feels like exactly where faith voices need to be going, especially as we've seen a lot of hateful rhetoric coming out of faith communities, quite frankly. Mm. So we want to we want to be a narrative of faith communities that stands against words of hate, stands against movements of hate, that's really inclusive and affirming of all Oklahoma.
0: I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, please. Good. We love it too.
3: <laughs> we love it too. Yeah. We're so excited.
0: So talk about um your role in education? Why is that one of your tenants? Why does that matter? Why does that matter to churches? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, well, you know, education is a bedrock of our society. It's what empowers people into living into their, their life work and their call and their vocation, which isn't just a job, right? Right. Like, right. like, when I say those words, I don't, I don't mean like Employment. I mean, education is how we identify our, our soul's breath within ourselves and, and helps us to, to live into our fullest being. And access to education is 100% a justice issue. It is 100% an issue of equality, an issue of access. And it really is a moral issue when you look at how the states treat public education systems across the board. Mm -hmm. So we're involved as a religious organization for all of those reasons, because we want an empowered um, society. We want Mm -hmm. every single child to grow into exactly who they're supposed to be. Us too! And and we want... (laughs) everyone to have access yes everyone gets to have access to that yes but i mean
1: hello i mean preach <laughs> right we're, ha- we're having yes, a little ma'am. yeah we're having a moment here um yeah. so so expand that into why oklahoma conference of churches is part of the um public funds for public schools oklahoma coalition
3: absolutely you know we have watched um, year after year as public funds have been diverted away from the public school system, yeah. it, it seems to, it's always on the table in our legislature. It's, yes. it's an annual issue that we have to discuss and, and, and we, we even just kind of, we don't, Understand why a state government would ever at any point want to take a dime from public dollars that are meant for public education for the very purposes that, that I just spoke about. It's, it's wrong and it's immoral. And, and we really want to stand alongside access and our public school system and our public educators who are some of the, the biggest saints in the world. And if they haven't demonstrated that throughout this last year, I don't know if they ever could. <laughs> no wow. joke. Yes. Um, but I mean, we we have to fight for our schools to have every single resource they need. And we are proud to stand alongside of that need. We're proud to stand alongside of that conversation and say, this is not just a fiscal conversation. We are talking about, the lives of Oklahomans in a very moral and tangible way.
0: You know, I, I it's interesting to me when I hear um, faith leaders discuss this issue because a lot of the private schools are in Oklahoma are faith based, and mm-hmm. a lot of those faith based schools are, can benefit from vouchers,
3: right? You're right. You're right. The conversation is very divisive amongst faith communities and sure. because of that, we we have struggled to enter this conversation in the past, but mm-hmm. when we when we are really talking about no hate in the heartland, we we can't be dismissive of this this effect yeah. that that it has on public schools and we really have to be be a state and be an organization that stands firmly with with the most basic access to the most basic needs for every single child. And if that isn't the public school system, I don't know what is.
1: Right, we concur. <laughs>
3: right, you know, yeah, we have we have.
1: Um, teachers are, and, and support professionals are notorious for being the Sunday school teachers, the, um, leaders yes. in their, in their home faith community, yep. uh, you know, teaching, um, vacation Bible school, all, all of that. So if, if our listeners are interested in your programs and, um, and want to push their churches to get involved, how would they contact Oklahoma Conference of Churches and and, and get involved with, with your missions?
3: Yes, absolutely. Well, our website is okchurches.org. You can read all about No Hate in the Heartland. You can read all about our focus areas and what we believe. We are a coalition. Mm-hmm. So our existence is very much driven by our members who are committed to this work. So we want individuals to be a part of it. We want faith communities. We want organizations like the OEA to be a part of this work and this mission. Um, and if they want to reach out directly to us, they can shoot us an email at okchurches at okaychurches.org, and we would be thrilled to visit with anybody who has questions or would like to get involved. I want to give a shout out to my mom, who's a retired <laughs> school teacher from awesome. Guthrie Public School. Yes. Um, so, and I can attest to the fact that she is Active in our home congregation, and is everything you just said. Man, so teachers, we can't help ourselves. We can't help it. We I can't know, help it. We're joiners,
0: we're doers. Teachers have
3: servant hearts. <laughs> yeah. Teachers have servants' hearts, and it's important.
0: Well, we agree. Well, thank you so much, Reverend Fleck, for taking the time to be with us today and for the important work that you guys are doing. We appreciate it very much.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is great talk. And
1: welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. All right, we've got some great news coming out of the Biden-proposed budget. A 41% increase to the Department of Education. Um, I mean... That's Seriously. amazing. And actually going to public education and not private charters and, <sighs> and things like that. So that's exciting. But it also includes the largest ever Title I tax, uh, the, the largest ever Title I increase Man. in funding.
0: And do, is there ever a time that we need it? Right. Like, I'm, that is awesome.
1: That's great news. I, I, I'm just. I mean, that's mind blowing. Imagine the possibilities. Of a a well-funded public education system. I'm going to get weepy. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) It can be best described in a song (laughs) by Whitney Houston. (laughs) Anyway, I won't sing out loud, but in my head the song is is, (laughs) I Believe the Children Are the Future. Anywho moving on along, if I can, because that song is still playing in my head. All right. We also want to say congratulations. Super, super congratulations. OEA elections are over. And we have several elects. So we have um, OEA president elect uh Catherine Bishop, Vice President elect Carrie Elledge, and uh NEA director elect Zach Grimm. So congratulations to those folks and the other folks that were down ballot that um that won their uh their seats as well on the OEA board or to uh delegate assembly or representative assembly yes. or you know everything that we had on the ballot. Um so they're uh the the president and vice president start their terms on uh, in July, beginning of July, when the RA is over, and um, and the NEA director starts his term on September first. So, um, so looking forward to some some changes, oh, man. which includes changes for me as well. Oh man! So stay tuned <laughs> to see what happens next in the saga of. What will Alicia Priest do after being OEA president? Take a nap. Well, Step yes. Step one. I, I, I do believe that I'll probably sleep for a week. <laughs> and um, because I'm not going anywhere because our air conditioner broke. But, <sighs> and that's <sighs> uh, an entire cost that uh, is ridiculous. But necessary <sighs> because happy, one needs an air conditioner. Happy summer. J- just knowing that I don't have one. Makes me sweat when I'm in the house, <laughs> and it's only like 66 degrees outside. Like warm? that's not normal. Is it warm? It's so warm in here. I wish we could turn on the air conditioner. <laughs> Anywho, um, and uh, and we just had the elections on April 6th. I mean, yep. that's a big yep. deal. This is a big one. Uh, um, so we had uh, we had a lot of great candidates running, and whether you won or not. You put your name out there, you put your platform out there and, um, and stepped up for yeah. whatever position yeah. and that, that, it, that takes guts yes. and it's a huge, big deal. Yes. Um, and, and we want to say congratulations. Uh, we are super excited that uh, OEA organizer Bri- uh, Brianna Flatley won her yes. election for the Western Heights School Board. Yes, it's so exciting. We are excited about that for sure. Man,
0: I was, I was watching the elections with bated breath and refreshing every five seconds. There were a bazillion elections this time. And man, man, oh, man, oh, man. School board elections, the turnout is, I mean, just like other municipal elections, like city, you know, city council, city treasurer, county stuff, like, it's, the turnout is low. And it's such an important job. And, like, some of them were so close. Like, Oh, yeah. Holy moly. So even, like, the bigger districts, I mean, everything was super close. Because I, I think this year, I think this year, COVID was a big part of it. Yeah. You know, people are... You know, they're either happy about the schedule, they're mad about the schedule, they're happy about the mask or not mask or no or whatever. Like, I think that COVID played a big role in, in, in that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, there's no doubt that it did. And and that's unfortunate because the decisions that were made this year were... Shoot, everybody's just... They were so yeah. tough. I yeah. mean, there, there weren't going to be any... I mean, there was no pleasing everyone right. with the decisions. Right. I mean, there's just right. no way around it. And... Running for something because you're mad. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in an instant. Right. Uh. Whether it's a mask policy. But or you have no idea what yes. a school board does. Yes. Or what a city council does. Right. Or the <laughs> volume of work that it takes. Yeah, get ready. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's not just about showing up for a board meeting right. and, and voting right. yes or no on right. something. It is so, so much more. Man, and you know, those, um, like, people
0: who think uh, people who think that their vote doesn't matter, like, listen up. I know this is not new. Like, anyone who listens to this podcast, I'm going to guess it votes and cares. But, like, your vote— And if you don't, you better start. We're going to find you. <laughs> we're bringing a registration form to your house. I'm just joking. We don't know how to find out who doesn't vote. But— Uh, And listens to the podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But we don't know who
0: listens to the podcast. (laughs) We hope there are people who do. I (laughs) mean, probably just my mom. And I know my mom votes. But like the, some of the school board elections, you know, I was, I always look through and see how bonds do. And I'm just interested to see how things go. And some of those, like, uh, Crooked Oak, six votes split between their board. Yeah, no, no. And Dibble, six votes. Locust Grove, six votes. Covington Douglas, five. Gary and Buffalo Valley, they were only split by three votes. Like, that's like – that is a house. Like, that's like a couple and, like, an adult child or, like, a couple and a parent. Like – and listen to this craziness. Dover, tied. School board tie, 17 to 17.
1: Flip coin? I don't know. I don't know. Draw a name out of a hat? I don't know. You know what? Okay. Rock, paper, scissors? I'm going to – or all of it. I'm going to... Leg wrestling? Oh, my God. If they don't leg wrestle, it is a
0: wasted opportunity, everyone. You know what? I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out what ha- And then next week, I will come back with that.
1: Because and I'm just like, what happens now? And that just goes to show you every vote. Yes. Matters.
0: Yes. Like, that is legit. 17 to 17. I mean, the community is small, but 17 to 17. The people who didn't vote are absolutely kicking themselves. Like, but you know, every county, every state, everybody's different. So it could be, I mean, sometimes it's drawing a name of a hat. Sometimes it's a coin flip. I mean, it's like, don't leave it to a coin flip, everybody.
1: Vote. And and if you are a uh, a regular in your precinct, like mm-hmm. the, the little old man that, runs my precinct Uh every time I walk in he's like oh we've been waiting all day to see you yes yes it's just precious and I'm like he probably says that to everybody no it makes me feel so special oh my gosh the the gals
0: that are at, at the precinct where I vote so I've been voting at that precinct now for uh 16 years the exact same gals, and they are amazing. And I'm so happy to see them, and they want to see my kids. And, like, they make sure that my kids get stickers, too. And, like, it's a whole thing. My husband, who's a new um, U.S. citizen, Citizen? got to vote for the second time in his life. Fantastic. So he voted in the school board uh, runoff and in the school board race. And I'm like, I promise that there will be more than just this one candidate to vote for in your voting life. Like, there are others. Yeah, But,
1: like – Holy macaroni! And then and then I walked out and I went to take my obligatory, uh, Kenna calls it my your mom votes selfie. And um, I also <laughs> take those. And I looked down and my I voted sticker had blown off because oh, it was so windy that day. Mine, mine I was did devastated.
0: Too. Same. I was so I'm upset. It's like, like such a nerd thing to be sad about. Oh my god! I'm glad you get it. Well. We want to say thank you to um, Ivy Riggs of our uh, legislative team, Reverend Shannon Fleck of the Oklahoma Conferences, Conference of Churches for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Copernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And
1: I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.